Hello there, I'm Jordan O'Brien and this is the New Leaf Podcast. Joining me this week for episode 12 of the New Leaf podcast is, once again, another former pupil of Friends School and one of my great mates from the lunchtime table. Many a story and many a memory shared. It's Nell McGee. Welcome onto the podcast. Thanks very much, Jordan. I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to have you as well. Um, and we'll see what stories we can broadcast maybe about our school days and what ones we sort of want to keep yeah, um, within our little group. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot of stories that could ruin our reputation. <laughs> and I'm trying to be a changed person, but sometimes a story comes up and you suddenly go, yeah. oh, God, remember that? Yeah, and then you laugh about it. it. The past catches up with you like always does. <laughs> it definitely does. Um, and you're the second one as well from the group. So slowly getting my way around everyone. And then hopefully when lockdown's lifted and we can sit in a better environment, there should be a, a group special. And uh-huh. I think that'll be the end of all of us. Yeah, yeah that's a good finale. <laughs> it could be a dangerous avenue, but um, I think we were chatting before. The last time you were actually here in this house was, it was for the Northern Ireland match during yeah, well, the we Euros. Think so. We think it was that. Yeah. I, can't, I actually can't remember the last time I was in this house physically, but um, I think it was that anyway. And again, there was ourselves, Ryan was here, Thomas, Adam, there was a whole group of us sat here watched that game against Ukraine and it was just mind blowing like <laughs> I couldn't believe that we had actually won at a major tournament. I know. I know. Those are the glory days. Um not looking forward to the, the game against Italy tonight. Um I'm thinking it'll be the same sort of standard for for sure. Yeah you never know sometimes in Northern Ireland. Like I remember last Christmas or the Christmas before when they played the Netherlands. And at Windsor Park, and you thought, right, we'll have it in the bag here. And then Davis steps off the penalty, and oh my word, <laughs> blasted straight over. And it was absolutely heartbreak. And then going 1 0 up in the Netherlands, you think, yes, we can do it. We absolutely 3 1, you lose. <laughs> Just it clicks, and suddenly you're you're 3 1 down, and it's all gone. But no, I'm looking forward to the match tonight, see how the guys get on. And like we said before, we were struggling with the name, like. An Italian starting eleven, like a strong one, without yeah. mentioning like players from the two thousand six World Cup winning side. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I definitely couldn't name you. I would not be able to predict the eleven that they're going to play tonight. It'll still it'll be a strong side. Like there's a lot of good Italian players, but I don't know. If, um, I don't know. Give them a good game. Like, well, fingers crossed anyway. So. <laughs> Straight after this is done, it won't be long to kick off, so I'll be putting my feet up and not doing much for the rest of the day then. Um, but international breaks, regardless whether you love them or hate them, people always give off and say, oh, why does there need to be an international break? But it leads to the biggest spectacle in, in world football. So that's, that's a start to, like going back to normal ways, you know, you sit down and suddenly football's on the TV or sport is back and, you know, yeah. fans are returning. I think tonight 
there's a limited number so slowly we're working our way towards full access and being able to enjoy some of the finer things in life but a bit more entertaining for us um, and sport has probably played a big thing in the past 12 months you haven't having that escape you as well are quite the sportsman in terms of hockey you know we had James on a few weeks back and he's played together in school and stuff and played many a time against each other for club hockey too um, did you continue hockey at all when you left friends in the Queens? I continued it um, for say about must have been two two years two and a half two and a half years maybe mm. maybe pushing three um, and then I think uni just got too much and it was just I don't know I kind of lost a lot of love for the game which is very surprising to me now even looking back and would have been surprising if you told me back in school um, I think just because there was pressure from that side of things there was pressure from uni and then everybody else everybody has their other pressures and things and um, it was just one of those things that was demanding like in terms of training in terms of um, even like when you were playing at a, a slightly higher level like nutrition and things like that like and it's just it got too much and I thought you know what it wouldn't be the end of the world taking a couple of years out um, and I, I'm definitely heavily considering going back whenever I graduate at the end of this year hopefully because um, I do miss it you know I, I do yeah and you say, you say you're you're graduating at the end of this year and once you have that finally nailed on yeah you can look forward and sort of enjoy things a bit more yeah. um, like you mentioned the pressure from university I didn't go the full way through it but still struggled now and again um, with your course did you find there was a lot of demand right from the start? Not right from the start. Uh, definitely the last couple of years uh, in, in terms of, so I'm in my fourth year now, like fourth year of teaching now. Um, this year, and which is the master's year, and then last year was definitely very full on, like a lot of work. Um, to a negative, I, I would say there's far too much and I've said multiple times to people on my course and like had discussions with them is it's too much work like to the point where it doesn't benefit anyone it just puts the students under more pressure um which is a little bit annoying but sure uh, there's so many courses out there like medicine and everything that's flat out and everyone does that and everyone gets on with it and fair play but uh first year and second year was definitely not as pressurized now looking back but at the time would have said yeah you've a lot of work on it it seems like one of those courses that from an outsider like me looking at it it automatically just demands you to throw yourself in there and it's not something that you can you can breeze through you know civil engineering is a difficult subject and i would be completely clueless if you were to show me anything <laughs> but that's sort of just the, the mathematical mind that you have and you can sort of analyze it a little bit better. Yeah, well, like that's that's the thing. Like from first year, you're thrown into a nine to five timetable. And it's just like, you're maybe, I was in halls in first year and you're maybe in a halls with, I don't know, the like, like I was in halls with Peter Esler, for example, and he was maybe in class for a few hours a day. And 
um, just that comparison, it was quite tough that I was getting out of bed and going to a 9am lecture and then not getting back until near dinner time and it, all these ones that were in halls had like hours on end free during the day to go do whatever. That side of it was tough um, and adapting to that sort of. I was kind of on Peter's side when I was studying history and you maybe had eight hours of class time a week and then the rest was all like you had to go off into the library and do your own independent learning and stuff. Which I probably struggled with. I would rather have had the class time to do the work because you sit me down and go, right, you need to do this. And you know from school, I was just like, no, <laughs> I'll, I'll do the work in class. And then once I'm outside of school, I don't think about it. That's it for me. That's a good way to be, though. That is, that is a good way to be. Um, a lot of people, including myself, would probably be at fault for taking worries and taking stuff home with them when home should really be like an escape like a safe way. haven almost mm -hmm. kind of thing yeah and like I would have rather stayed for like an extra hour or two behind school like I did some days to do learning or walk down to the library afterwards in Lisburn and do my work there because yeah when I come home I don't want to think about the pressures outside of the house you know I'm in here and I can relax now you know I can have some time with my family and even in school, like that's all I did. That's all I wanted to do. Just sit down, have a chat, and then go to bed. Wake up the next day, and then right, that's you. It's it's school time now, and that's when you focus. Mm. I know as well from like a personal point of view. This past year with Jodie being off school, that she has struggled because it's differentiating when you do your school work in the house and trying to separate it because it's not easy. Like there's constantly distractions going on around the house. And I'm sure it's been maybe the same for you, you know, trying to study online and stuff too. Oh, yeah, that's a different problem altogether. <laughs> um, yeah, but I mean, there's, I think we were kind of lucky in a way that it happened, all, all that online stuff kind of happened towards the end of our uni career. And we knew what was going on. We knew all the lecturers. We'd studied similar sort of stuff, but obviously just at a lower level before. Everything was similar. Everything was easy enough. But I, I do really feel for like this year's first years, for example, who are maybe, who maybe don't know anyone that's doing the same course as them, who have gone into halls and have been locked up in a room for weeks or maybe been sent home or like whatever. They just don't know anyone in their course. And like uni isn't like school where you would have been able to just go to a teacher and they would have told you exactly what follow these steps to do this homework. Uni's very much your own, and on, do it on your own accord. And if you don't know how to do something, you've no one really to go to, like it's up to you. Whereas we were lucky in that we met, I met a good bunch of friends at the very, very start. And we've been able to help each other throughout uni and with different assignments and exams and whatever. And he's, he's all done the same course or similar courses at least. Yeah, so we've done, our first year was all exactly the same. And then like the likes of James, he's doing environmental engineering. So he would have done a lot of the same modules as me the past few years. But now this year, I think we only have one module in common. So it kind of becomes more specialised. Um, yeah. I think that's, that's another good thing from the university as well. Like, again, I said that engineering is such a broad spectrum and that you can literally 
anything at all, you can be an engineer in it or in that environment. And it's good that you then have the option in your second year to specialize on the one thing that you want to pick. I think that probably could have helped me a little bit more with history if second year it was like, right, you get to pick your own sort of avenue that you want to go down. Because again, if you want to be a historian in anything, there's thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and even millions of years worth of stuff that you can look into and become a specialist in it. Yeah. Um, it, was, it was, there was no option of you even specialising in anything like an era or an event? Not really, no. It was set modules and again, with it being in Wales and sort of any British universities, it's completely oblivious to history here. Mm. That was one of the things that sort of put me off it in my second year and that's why I decided that it wasn't for me because we done a module and it was nations and empires and we spent three weeks looking at France, three weeks looking at the States, three weeks in Russia, three weeks in India and then we done an hour on Ireland. <laughs> yeah, we covered four, we covered about 500 years worth of history in an hour and then that was it and then moved on to something else and I was like, right, okay, well, clearly no one here gives a shit, so <laughs> what's the point in being here anymore? I just, I hated it constantly, like after that, and that's the one area I wanted to go into. Yeah. Irish history from even as far back as the 1100s, all the way up to now, so like almost a thousand years was the history, but it wasn't to be, so I've come home now and I'm, I'm working away and, you know, maybe someday I'll go back and study yeah. I mean, something. You tried it. Like, you know, like you've tried it and you've learned from it. You've either learned that you didn't like it, you've learned what you do like, you've learned that that doing history that isn't Irish history yeah. does not interest you, it does not appeal to you, so like, yeah. it wasn't a waste of time or anything. Like. Yeah, I, I, I realised after about two years that yes, history interests me, but only specific periods, mm -hmm. you know, like history as a whole, you know, learning it and stuff. There's quite a lot of stuff I actually don't care about <laughs> and had no bother for. Um, so yeah, that, that was a little bit of an eye-opener for me. And would you have done like Irish history and stuff in school? Like obviously I didn't need history. Yeah, so we, we studied obviously in our GCSEs, we studied Northern Ireland from about the 50s onwards and then in A-levels we studied Irish history from 1900 up until about 1925. I was completely fascinated by it and loved it and still read in my spare time whatever spare time I do have nowadays, which is quite a lot, um, but would still sort of delve into the subject. So I still enjoy it. Um, and like you said, I had the experience of university at least, you know, for a couple of years. And, you know, that, that first year where it doesn't really count for much and you can relax and go out and party if that's your way of coping with it. And meet people as well. Yeah, and then meet friends for life. Yeah. Like I was there for two years and there's people over in university that I've grown closer with and are probably as good as any friends that I have here or as close as to good friends here. Um, is there any part of you looking back thinks, what if I did move away or was Queen's always the choice for you? Um, to be honest, I think Queen's, I didn't really think much further than Queen's due to the fact that quite early on I sort of decided that I was going to be doing 
some sort of engineering and a lot of the engineering degrees were like a master's integrated kind of course and they were all like four or five years and to be honest it was just the difference in price in tuition per year and like I can appreciate maybe if the course was like three years you might just take the hit and go over the water um to experience a different lifestyle to gain more independence etc etc but I just thought like an extra two years worth of tuition fees is just going to be a lot um, and that just kind of swayed me to stay um, part of me wishes I had gone away because I feel like it would have been a completely different experience like the, yeah I don't know the part, yeah like Northern Ireland is just I don't know I've been in Northern Ireland all my life and then yeah. you spend another five years there and it's just like <laughs> mm, I, you sort of look back and think oh well what if I did just try it and say and yeah. you know you, you sort of think because we mentioned before we came on like our group half of us all moved away and then there was yeah. only a, a small portion were left in Belfast yeah. so we were spread out for all of our university experiences and they were all completely different yeah. you know that was annoying because like really there was only yeah as you say there was only a few of us so we then only really got to meet up and whatever whenever we were all home at Christmas or um Easter or whenever and even then at Easter we all had exams then but like yeah most most we all got split up, which was a bit annoying. Yeah. Um, like, 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 Daniel was over in Cambridge. Ryan was in the south coast. Thomas was up near the border with Scotland, and I was in the valleys in Wales. <laughs> we were all over the place. And then, yeah, the only time we met up was really Christmas mm-hmm. for, like, a, a two-week window. Quickly cram in as many different things as we can do. Yeah, and that was the one night that we were all, like, the one night that we could manage to get everyone free because it seemed to be so hard get everyone to be free on one night <laughs> i know you've got people coming back and like when i came back i worked over christmas and tried to make money so again it was right, i'm working to 10 o'clock tonight so oh, sure i'll just stick a jacket on and go out after <laughs> like there was one point i can't remember if you were there but there was one time i was home for christmas and i was working in the works in belfast and i literally just went straight from work afterwards out at Christmas time because we had these sort of Christmas style jumpers in work. So it just looked like an ordinary Christmas jumper and was straight out. And I think it was the bot we went to. I, I do remember you going up to a night out in a Christmas jumper. I can't remember what that was. There was, also, that. there was also a time I went to Jake Lewis's birthday party in Tiki Tiki with a Christmas jumper on. Maybe that was it. And that was that was the blue one. Yeah. But I just I just like dressing up at Christmas. <laughs> Christmas jumpers are such a good thing. I wore a Christmas jumper if you can remember when we collected our A level results. Yes. Yes I remember that sounds really random. The reason I done that was because at least people would ask me about the Christmas jumper and rather they didn't ask me about the rubbish results I got on the results day and it worked. No one asked me. They were like, Jordan, why have you got a gingerbread man on your fucking jumper? I just fancy it today. What must have gone through your heart? You were just so like well prepared for the for bad results. Like you just fully expected <laughs> bad results that you were like, what is the one thing that I could do? Yeah. Christmas jumper completely nailed it because not a single person actually I tell a lie. There was 
I think after we collected our results, we all, I can't remember if it was us met up, but I remember getting into the car with um, Milligan and we went somewhere. It could have been like me, Milligan, Daniel, Chris, Bethany and, and that crowd. And we were walking to James's car and there was a, a little old lady walking her dog. He's like, well, boys, how does all get on? And James was the first one. Oh, yes, I've got these results and I'm going to Queen's now to, to study law. And then she turned to me and went, and, and what about you? <laughs> and I froze for a second and went, two A stars and an A. <laughs> so I'm done with that, but um, I'm off to study dentistry now at Queen's. No chance I was taking a year out. <laughs> and I've done poorly in my exams, but she was like, oh, well done. Well, I really hope it goes well for you. Fingers crossed. So as, as far as she knows, I'm going to do her dentures in a few years' time. Yeah. <laughs> she'll be hitting me up Jordan I need false teeth again <laughs> any chance but um, yeah we, we, we sit here and we think of like all the, the memories we had in school and honestly I could write a, a, like a trilogy yeah. on the amount of stuff that we done in school and we sat and spoke about if ever a teacher came onto this podcast we would be an absolute nightmare of a year group for them to chat about because for the majority of people, myself not included, they got the work done, but then they also took the extreme piss in school. And I think our little friendship group was like the epitome of that. Mm -hmm. like you had so many intelligent people that sat with us, yet we were just the worst when you mixed us all together. <laughs> like, yeah, bad combination. Yeah, there's so many. Yeah. Even just the bouncy balls at the end, like that was just a big finale. <laughs> I'll try and gather up like <laughs> yeah. social media and pictures for the Instagram and just show you like some of the things that we've done and I'll maybe expose myself a little bit um, in terms of the Super Bowl night that we try oh. and not talk about. But that that was a dangerous night. And again, it's one of those memories you think of upper six, you think of, remember, remember Jordan was stinging on a Monday morning in the middle of assembly. Honestly, I was like that moment that me and Daniel were walking up the hill and that <laughs> Johnson's tiny wee fiesta was firing up the back of the road and uh, you were just hanging out of the window in the back seat was like the most crisis <laughs> moment. And then you were sitting in the middle of the car. You were sitting in the middle seat. Yeah, I was leaning over Alan. Yeah, the fact that you were sitting in the middle seat and actually leaned over Craig <laughs> oh that that whole day was like a story in itself <laughs> every class there was something went wrong or something was said or there was a quote that came out like there was the very first class was 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 with chris black and we were sitting in our private study um and i just could not focus like i was looking at the computer screen and my eyes were just like fidgeting i could not focus whatsoever and Chris came down and sat beside me and went, well, Joel, how are you? And I said, I'm going to keep my head down and breathe to myself. <laughs> what was it that the German supervisor said to you? Oh, so I believe it was Lara. Yeah. So while we were having the German conversation, amazingly enough, I was that was probably the best German class I had because I actually remembered everything. Um, but at one point she got up and started walking around the room and all I heard was a bump, bump. And it was her opening the windows <laughs> because I reeked of 
Strongbow Darkfords <laughs> and Jägermeister. <laughs> I was still wearing the clothes from the night before because everyone dressed me in the middle of the night. Maybe you didn't dress again. And then got dressed again. <laughs> and then we thought you died the next day. Yeah, I went off the radar for two full days. <laughs> 50 hours I spent in bed sleeping. That was good, man. That was, uh, yeah, probably the highlight of my school life. <laughs> that's that's where it peaked for me. And then, yeah, exactly. Like it's still something that everyone talks about. Yeah, exactly. And it will be like we'll, we will never forget about that. <laughs> it's it's like one of the defining moments in our entire school year, and that's it. Um, I'm trying to think if there again, there's loads that sort of just come flooding in. Like even from when we were like first or second year, Gregory Jackson football. Yeah. Yeah. Love that day, yeah. and it, it it went from like one day a year to right. We'll try and get four or five in, yeah, and just like boot up and kick each other for an hour and a half, and then yeah, that was it. That one day a year, though, when it was one day a year, like that was just that was the day to be in school. Yeah, like, it's so funny when you look back at that photo of us all in first year, and like some of us didn't even know each other, and there was just some people there that you just would not have ever expected to be at the football. Well, I'm going to mention one person, and you probably know the person I'm talking about, and he was the greatest goalkeeper that I have ever seen. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly who I was thinking of. The man could hardly move in school, but you see when you stuck him in between posts, oh my word, Manuel Neuer. <laughs> Manuel Neuer. <laughs> I big save Dave, like the amount of times that we were just left like gobsmacked. Yeah. <laughs> you were like it's like um you're bound to have TikTok. Yeah. Cal the Dragon. Oh <laughs> that's exactly what I imagined David McGritchie was when we were in school. Yeah. Number six, number <laughs> six, mark your man, get love. <laughs> That's exactly what McGritchie was like. And he was actually such a lovely man. That, do you remember our formal in 2015? <laughs> he came dressed up as a banana to the school formal. <laughs> Big safe Dave. What a guy. I hope he's doing well. I really I don't. Know. I have no idea who he's after this time. There, there, there is times where like I'll randomly think of someone from school and go, oh, I wonder what they're doing now, and he's constantly one of them. Big save, Dave. What a guy. It just reminds me like of so many happy memories from school, and like the school days are behind us now, unfortunately. And even though we're still relatively young, I feel so old when I like think back yeah, to yeah. the memories of school and stuff, and the way we all got on and it's it's so strange how like our group really started because there was a few of us all played football mm -hmm. against each other so myself thomas uh adam josh and even ryan as well to an extent all played against each other in local sides and then that's how we bonded yeah. you know we we were the football guys in a school that played rugby and hockey mm -hmm. and nobody cared about us that's how the football thing started with Jackson, because we were all like, 
why isn't there football being played? Like, why is there like we we did genuinely openly complain, and then he was like, right, well let's let's have a day where we all play, and a tradition was born, and then yeah. a couple of years below us, undoubtedly have like more talent. Like Josh's brother's year had like so many good footballers, and I think they played a game. They actually did have a football team. Yeah, I think my little brother played on as well, and that's. That's annoying. I know. We we sort of set the foundations for it, and then they get to go along and make a football team out of it. Yeah. But look, it was so strange how like football was sort of looked down upon almost. It was like down upon, but then at the same time we did have that game against the Patriots at the end. Yeah, I think it, we slowly worked our way towards that moment yeah. of the you know like getting the PE staff, and I'm sure they loved it as well. I hated it because we lost. Um, I still to this day don't know how we lost. We got ripped to pieces <laughs> down the flanks. I I had the tactics set out perfectly, and then what does Daniel McGinnis do? He just runs where he wants. Who was that left back, right back? Right, it was right wing back. We played a three five two. So that's where thing. that's where we struggled, and we had like John McCulloch and James Milligan. Um, I can't remember who else as our centre halves, and then it was James Brown and Daniel McGinnis wing backs. Because they had Big Andy Foe tearing us apart. Yes. And, and, Watson, and Watson on the other wing. And they, they just bombed past us. Yeah. They were like, it was like Barcelona in their prime. <laughs> like they were tearing us apart. And then had Mr. Robinson centre forward. Yeah. Just it a was, big thug. It's just like Liverpool last season. It was like Salah and Mane. And then, uh, and then <laughs> he was Firmino. Yeah. He just couldn't score. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, again, another memory that you, you sit and go, that was actually class. And then there was a few teachers went to the garden. And we all went for a pint. And after. we went for a pint after. <laughs> and just sat with them and we spoke about, like, you know, moving on from school and shared stories and stuff. And do you know what? I couldn't think of another school or, like, someone else's experience where they've done that. Outside, outside of, like, a formal, for example, where everyone goes are pretty much just to get shit faced. Mm -hmm. Like we sat and had a pint and socialized, like we were mates, and we were at some stages too. Yeah. Like I'm sure there's there's teachers you look at from friends that you almost didn't look at them as a teacher. You know, come the end of it, they were like your mate. Hundred percent. Yeah. Even this day, like when you bump into the likes of Mr. Gamble or Mr. McKay is a big one as well. Like, you just talk to them like your mate. Like, it's not as if they were ever your teacher at all. Yeah. The only thing that you would even think that they were your teacher was the fact that you call them, like, Mr. McKay or yeah. Mr. Jackson. Like, Milligan, for an example, has to, like, go into school and call Andy Mr. Forrest. Yeah. And he has to do that. And then outside of school, when they go and play for Garvey, oh, it's Andy Foe. It's oh, so, <laughs> so strange for, like, how that happens um but in friends you know it, it as much as like i enjoyed it so much from a social standpoint you know and all the the things that we've done and all the laughs that we had as well i felt like on a personal level for me like from when i started in first year i was completely out of my depth in terms of like how academically minded a lot of people were 
Like I went to a primary school where I was the smartest one, so that just shows you the standard of <laughs> of education in that school. But when I went to friends and met people like yourself and James and all these really, really intelligent people who, you know, 10A stars GCSE and then would go off afterwards and study these subjects that I wouldn't even dare to set foot into. Like, from the start, there was such a pressure to perform mm-hmm. in Friends. And I'm sure you probably didn't struggle as much as I did, but I'm sure you find it tough with, you know, trying to live up to that pressure that they put on you from a young age. Yeah, there was always that. And even even if the teachers didn't pressure you, it was there was near that like social pressure as well. And even like my mum and dad would have always like pushed me to be um to like sort of be at that level and would have always pushed me to study and stuff, which I really appreciate now, but I think it was being told to study made me not want to. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, there was always that like even the social pressure, like it's so weird in a school like that that you're near it was near you're slagged off for being not smart whereas in other schools you'd be slagged off for being a nerd yeah like it was really weird from that point of view um like being a nerd was extremely normal and accepted um which is a good thing like everyone should obviously be accepted no matter what um but yeah the teachers always expected so much from you um yeah I, I to be honest in school i was nowhere near the i had nowhere near the same work ethic that i do now Um, i don't really know the reasons for that maybe it comes with maturity maybe it comes with actually just liking the stuff that you're doing and there was a lot of subjects in school that i just didn't really have a care for um but yeah i think the mad thing for me that has just popped into my head was after every winter exam and summer exam, you were ranked. Yes. How mad is that? Like, how the, it, crazy is Your that year teacher would come in and go, you have placed da-da-da in the year. Like, they were comparing. It was like a league table to see where you could, like, come out at. And I thought that was really strange because I don't think I've spoken to anyone and mentioned that and they've said, yeah, that was normal. I think it must have just only been our school where they done that. Like, we're not adults. Like, that was, if you were telling a 12, 13, 14-year-old kid, like, oh, yeah, you came 80th out of 100, like, your average was well below everyone else's. You can't tell a kid that. Like, yeah. it, just, it just seems very wrong, and I just don't see purpose in it. No. And then there was, and then not only that, but everyone was then comparing each other. Then yeah. you got to break time and I was like, oh, where did you come? And like, I don't know, there was a lot. And then like the bottom people would have obviously felt so ashamed and you always find out who came near the bottom. And then, yes. yeah. Well, in, in our last year in school, and I find this so strange because Milligan and I were in similar classes. He was top of the year and I was bottom of the year. <laughs> and the two of us sat together. And that was one thing that was always mentioned like by teachers I like I like love the man and will always will but one of the most annoying things was a teacher would go like you sit with James why not learn from James <laughs> yeah how can you turn around to a 12 year old and go you need to be like him 
pretty much telling me what I had to do. He's like, yes, okay, I'll go and play hockey after school. Do you want me to take it to that length? To be him? That he was difficult to just how gay we were. Like, he, was... he was the model people. James, yeah. if you're listening, you were a bit of a dick. <laughs> <laughs> I loved you, but I hated teachers comparing us. <laughs> I am not James, and James, thank God he's not me. <laughs> you know, at the bottom of the group. But yeah, that was mental, how that was normal. Teachers like compared us as if we were. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was like a Premier League table. <laughs> you know, I was down in League Two and James is Man City and I'm Forest Green Rovers or something ridiculous like that. But that was completely normalised in our school. Do you think that level of pressure then has helped you in a way when you went on to study at Queen's as well? I don't know. I actually haven't thought of it, to be honest. Maybe indirectly, in a way. Um, possibly. I didn't, I, I don't know. I, I didn't like the whole pressure being put on me externally. Like, if I'm, if I'm going to be under pressure, I'd prefer it to come from myself. Hmm. And because I want something, do you get me? Um, if not because my teacher wants me to get a certain grade, like, I don't really... I don't know. Yeah, you work towards your own goal, not what like a parent or a teacher or a lecturer has set for you. Yeah. You're working to the level that you set yourself almost. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I never actually thought about it that way, but yeah. Yeah. Um which kinda sounds selfish in a way. But I think everyone needs to be like that, that they need to just work at their own pace and achieve the things at their own pace and don't compare yourselves to other people. And don't let others compare you to other people and yeah. say that, oh, you should be at this stage because you did this and whatever. Yeah, like you were always pitted against people around you. Like I can remember conversations with our year teacher and you would get called up. And when I when I was in my early years in school, I was relatively intelligent. And, you know, I think my highest finish was 30th or something like that. Mm-hmm. Which is mid-table. It's bang average, you know, you can build that's from not, that at least. Like, that's in the top 20%. That's decent. I'll, I'll take it, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Europa League spot. But um, I remember getting called up one by one and he called me up and says, right, you are 30th in the year. Last year you were 42nd, so well done. If you had have pushed a little bit more in this subject, you could have went up to 28th. Oh, if you right. had have pushed in your... English subjects, both of them, you could be in the top 20. And it was like, what are you doing? You're giving me so much PTSD right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's unbelievable. And I'm sure anyone listening as well will ha- know exactly that conversation. Yeah. Any other boy that comes up to me and says, like, the person just above me, I'm just below you. And you would have just said, like, well, fuck it. You, if your average had gone up just 0.2%, you would have jumped into 17th and said, like, and you're like, oh. And then as I as like the years went on, it was like Jordan, you are sixty fourth. <laughs> Jordan, you are last. If you had have pushed, you could have moved up one space. It's like, do you know what? Last is an achievement for me. Did the people in last get those? Was there a thing that like the people at the bottom automatically got that like green report card? Yeah. <laughs> and that's I another thing that's ridiculous. Like a re- yeah, a report card for like how you're doing. Yeah. 
like and after every class you have to go up shameful to the teacher what like did I do for a reading of how you did in the last 35 minute lesson you were constantly getting appraisals from your teachers yeah. <laughs> for your eye levels like can you rate my performance in class today and then have to get it signed listen my degree is under that and when you were there, that was just normal. Yeah. Like you didn't even think about the consequences that that would have on a child. Yeah. I another thing that will probably differ between us was in my GCSE year, I struggled in. I'm gonna say like economics, economics and business studies. Like I was okay, but I wasn't the best. And they gave me a mentor that I had to um, see for like 45 minutes. I think, were you a mentor when you were at Upper Sec? Yeah, I was a mentor. <laughs> you were one of those people. You were giving me all the bad ones to say. I was a mentor. <laughs> um, yes, I mentored her year one, so second year, um, for maths and English. And I was so funny those afternoons, like, because there was about five or six of us that all were in the library that afternoon taking an individual student and like half the time the student turned up for whoever I was tutoring them and half the time they didn't. I was funny like. Yeah. Well, I, I had a mentor in my GCSE year and I don't know why, but like you had, you were, you were very, very, very good at maths and you were mentoring a student that struggled in it. I think Daniel was mentoring someone in languages and obviously he's very intelligent with languages. I was struggling with business and economics and I had an A-level student doing physics, biology and chemistry. They were no use to me whatsoever. It's like, what was the actual point in sending them with me? What did you do during the lesson? I tried to explain like <laughs> elasticity graphs and like we were looking at forecasting and business studies. And they, every five minutes, they were like, uh, let me just check what the textbook says. It's like, I can do that. I can look at the pages myself. Why do I need to be here? So after about two weeks, I stopped going. Did and then, yes, he did. He organized that. He, he was the same person trying to get me to write left-handed for four months because I broke my arm. It broke, <laughs> I broke my arm when I was in the plaster cast. And he was like, well, when I was your age, I was writing left-handed. Can I not just use a laptop? <laughs> is that completely out of the equation here some of the things that you think of in school are so bizarre but like how was it normal how do they get away with like being so strange in circumstances like that literally honestly no one will lie this is the first time that i have thought back to those sorts of things and been like that is so strange and wrong like imagine you're sitting in a lecture hall for your your masters and all of the work that you've handed in so far and your teacher calls now mcgee you are 23rd in the class your your module on uh topic one if you just had it pushed it a couple of points you could be higher and, and leave it at that like you said being at a young age and suddenly having like that amount of pressure from the start yeah. can work either way for someone that can completely cripple someone like I didn't like that kind of behavior from teachers and like I mentioned on one of the podcasts before like one of the last interactions I had with a teacher in school was a vice principal telling me I will be nothing and I, I couldn't believe it like in front of my parents telling me I'll be nothing like how do you turn around to 
a young adult like that who still has their whole life ahead of them and can do so many different things outside of a classroom and you're just blunt and went yeah you're 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 screwed mate i think that is that's the total vision of a school like friends that is just so driven in academics that there's nothing else outside of life other than academics yeah which really annoyed me and like like you say that ratings and stuff like those ratings included just the exams that you sat didn't actually include all the subjects you did like PE for example and included subjects that you might not have actually had a natural talent for yeah it's like there might have been people that were more like ball-rounded and would have done better than someone who was ridiculously good at like the arts like English and art and whatever but then bad at maths like for me art I am so bad when it came to drawing and like we were made to sew in class and do all these like little hessian kind of designs why that's not that's not my interest so once i got the third year i was like right well i don't have to do this anymore so i'm not going to try there's no point in me learning how to do portrait drawing and shaded and charcoal and whatever i couldn't care less once third year's over i don't have to draw again and then really listen to that and you know if you have a bit of extra time then why don't you play for one of our teams in rugby or hockey and have that extra stress and then sure you've got time on to do another club or society and there's DOE you could do as well and, <laughs> uh, just one thing after another after another after another and they yes. all require the same level of effort yeah but yeah it still gets three days <laughs> yeah <laughs> like yeah if if you're interested in politics do the MUN and take it and go to all these trips and then oh you're a king sportsman yeah like you said play rugby play rugby and hockey and then in the summer do athletics and play cricket and go to districts and take time out of school to go and play sport but don't take time out of school to play sport <laughs> sit in class it's like I can't split myself into nine and do all these different things life of a kid and, and now like it seems like so much fun in school when you look back at it. It was though. And talk about all these things and how like much of a piss take it actually was. <laughs> like how we scraped our way through it. And now we struggle to like have a proper meetup with everyone. Yeah. yeah. It's the life of an adult, unfortunately. Yeah, that's, that's the reality. And I was like, it, we definitely took it for granted that we sat with each other every single fucking lunchtime. And and how much of a laugh it was. Uh-huh. Crisis moments. I always see that thing on Facebook. It's like, like how much would you pay for a DVD of or like a videotape of all of the best moments in school? And I'm like, oh, life savings. We're talking. <laughs> we're talking. Yeah, everything I own, just take it, so <laughs> yeah. I can sit and watch that one time we roasted Thomas under the table and <laughs> took his shoes away and everything, or we tied him to a rugby post. <laughs> like all the different things in between that are probably very close to or are most likely abuse abuse grievous bodily harm possible kidnapping mm. <laughs> <laughs> borderline kidnapping but again it was one of those things that you've done in school just because it was funny yeah it was good crack and you've done it to your mates most of the time like we stitched each other up all the time there's one time i was traveling to dublin to go and take part in a model united nations conference and we all arrived in school and um, i actually came 
in my suit, which I wasn't supposed to. So I got changed into my school uniform again. And then when we travelled down to Dublin, I then discovered that my ties had disappeared. <laughs> so with Model United Nations, there's a very strict dress code, and one of them is a tie. I had no ties whatsoever. I then get sent a photograph while I'm in Dublin from back in school with a couple of friends wearing them around their head, tied around. And then it later became that they were somewhere like in the common room and I never find them again. I completely lost them. Still to this day, I never got them. Josh and Ben Irwin owe me <laughs> two ties. I'll maybe, I'll maybe pull him when he comes onto the podcast at some point. I'll confront them. Yeah. And, <laughs> or I'll tell him to bring two in advance. Exactly. Josh has his own little page up and running now. And we always laughed about how he was in the fitness. And then he turned around and went, yeah, do you know what? Actually, yeah, well, he's ventured off into PT now. So if you do need a PT, hit up Josh Gordon with the, the code TIE2016. Well, you never know. I might end up getting a little bit of, of a free trial out of it. Josh, if you want a challenge, see if you can shift some of this weight. <laughs> <laughs> and then we'll see what you're made of. But yeah, that, that's that's all in the past for us now. And don't worry, I've, I've forgiven you, even though you're a thief. But all we can do is sort of look forward into possible avenues and adventures. Is there anything job-wise... Holiday-wise, I know we can't really go anywhere much, but... Um, yeah, no, I, I don't really know what I want to do. <laughs> I'm one of those people that have done a five-year engineering course and still don't know what they want to do. Um, I was supposed to be going... I was supposed to be going to Australia for a while, but it doesn't look like it's going to be... doesn't look like it's going to materialise at least until the new year, maybe. Um, so going to be sitting about... Waiting to go basically when I graduate. Um, but yeah, and then hopefully after that I can kind of weigh up my options and do something with my life. Well, are you doing any sort of part time work with like crib instructors or anything at all that sort of suits your degree? Not at the minute. <laughs> so I actually got, I've actually applied to sort of following on from. Um, my time at camp and um, I've applied to like a kids a kids club like a role in a kids club for this summer which is going to be good fun and um, got an interview for it next week so fingers crossed and it's in it's going to be either in Portugal or Greece so that'll be my way of getting to the sun brilliant they're all sitting at home and I'll be able to Cheers, mate. Thanks for that. <laughs> you know, there's already one of us is away working in the sun, and then you get to ship off forever. <laughs> yeah, it's really good fun. And then I'll be back at the end of the summer and see where I can go from there. You've got something planned at least, anyway. Yeah, exactly. Just even the timing over, even yeah. financially. But it'll be good crack as well. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, you're not really a person that sort of looks too far ahead. <laughs> you no, sort of just like. Whatever, do you even look in the next week and know what you're doing most of the time? <laughs> no, it's just every day as it comes. Yeah, it's so, sort of take it as it comes and um, assess it that way. But uh, fingers crossed, next week, all being well, you, you're able to get off and enjoy some sunshine, at least anywhere. 
I just counting down the days where we can book away somewhere, even if it's something stupid like a city break over to London or you know like over into Germany or what, just something yeah. to escape what has been a really poor twelve months. It's almost a write off. Yeah, there's, there's just been I don't know. There was like that was mad. Like this time last year, it's just like everyone's holidays started getting cancelled. I was meant to go back to the the summer camp, and it got obviously completely cancelled. Didn't get to go to that. I was meant to go to South America after the camp, that got cancelled, and all sorts like the skiing trips at Christmas got cancelled for everyone. Um, even just trips to Portugal and things like that. I just heard so many people losing out on their holiday and losing out on a lot of money as well. Yeah. Just terrible. But we're near the finish line now. Sure, everyone's getting vaccinated. Um, my mum and dad have both been vaccinated. A few of my friends have who are either at risk or frontline workers. So we're nearly there. I think this is actually the longest I've went in an episode without talking about the big C. <laughs> so we've done well for nearly an hour to try and avoid it, but it always creeps its way into conversation. Always has to. It's it's a great thing though. Yeah. Like last week the phrase pre COVID was used and I love how that's oh, like wow. that's a phrase that people use now normally. Yeah, that's like, a, that's the new buzzword. Yeah, it's like people maybe older than us were like pre Y two K and <laughs> and now we have pre COVID as our phrase. Pre COVID. Pre-COVID, it's, it's mad. We've actually lived through something globally that will be in the history books forever. I'm not sure history and everything, so this will be, this yeah. will be the new thing. Ev- everyone will look back to this point, you know. How weird is that? How, how are you feeling about going back to normal? Because I know a lot of people are quite, like, a wee bit anxious about going back. I just can't wait to have a pint. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Just, just to be able to go out and sit and, like, try and have a catch up with people and stuff but um everything's felt normal for me because i've continued to work through it yeah so it hasn't really changed that much it's just meant that i haven't had any real escapes you know can't go out for a drink with friends or a proper coffee with mates or go out and play golf or go out and play football and or go and watch football you know local football um but yeah, I'm just looking forward to it again for things to be normal. I don't think they're going to be fully normal, but it's as close to what we had before as we can get at least. Yeah. So um, yeah, a lot of people have had to sacrifice a lot of things, but then at the same time, like you're, you are quite lucky in that you've had that job and you've had that distraction. I always think the same. Like we've had two flat out years at uni, so we actually probably wouldn't have been doing as much of the whole, like, meeting up, going out, all that anyway. Yeah. So we actually probably have been quite lucky that we had not been affected too much. Yeah. And I, a lot of people would say that, like, through their jobs that they've been able to hold on to through COVID have had that kind of get out in a way. Um, I, I really do feel for the people that have had to just sitting there watch TV all day. I know, like, I, I, I've said, like, oh, I wouldn't have a week off, but after about a couple of days, I'm like, I'm bored and to get back on again. Yeah. So having that sort of somewhat normal routine of still working and still doing stuff like that has helped actually quite a bit for me personally 
getting through it. Like it's strange that I look forward now to getting out of the house to go to work because at least I'm getting out. And with retail, you get to chat to people. I am so from from working in retail. I am so glad that I am not working in retail now, like during all this. Oh, uh, it, it's made me more so than ever want to try and get out, <laughs> get out while I can and find a nine to five office job Monday to Friday and sit down and not have to deal with people coming in and like saying all sorts of stuff <laughs> and talking to the biggest peddler always and telling me how they're all baking banana bread again or something so random that really love I couldn't care less just take your shopping and go but um it's just one of those things that we sort of have to get on with and, there, and there's not much we can do but like you said we're almost at the finish line and we're nearly there we're nearly there and we can we can say that we've we've battled through it and Jesus it's been tough for everyone but at least we can say that we've made it and we've done it as well just like we're at the end of this podcast now so unfortunately so we don't have enough time to delve into any more shenanigans from our school days but yes now thank you so much for coming on to the podcast today no problem and thanks for taking the time out of your busy studying schedule to, to come along yeah straight back to it there's there's no rest for the wicked <laughs> listen guys that's it for the episode today so thank you all for listening and continuing to support the unique podcasts as we're on our journey together through what is been a, a difficult time if you haven't as well make sure to check out all of the previous episodes across all the streaming platforms and make sure you follow new leaf podcasts on instagram as well thanks again for listening and until next time stay safe take pride in everything you do and remember you're all superstars see you later <laughs>